Hello and welcome to the very first, very special, uh, very New Yearish edition of the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. That's right. It's 2013. A new season is upon us, and there is quite a bit to catch up on. My name is Dan, and with me, as always, to guide us through the list of things that we must check off before I'm allowed to go to sleep is my dear friend Sarah. Hello, happy New Year, everyone. Well, you know, for some people, for some people, it's been a miserable New Year so far. I, I just say that based purely on statistical outcomes. If someone's got to have been having a shit year. Sorry. Well, yes. <laughs> Whoever you are, you have my sympathy, but I'm not swapping. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on <laughs> with more cheerful and less sobering thoughts than that. Um, Sarah, 2013, the season's kind of technically sort of already started with uh, the Tour of Qatar. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, the Tour of Qatar is getting earlier and earlier and earlier every year. So, you know, next year it will probably happen this year. But, yeah, it's um, Tour of Qatar. I don't know if it counts as the season starting because, I mean, to me, the season opens with the World Cup. So it's, you know, and it's got to be proper classics. And it's going to be March for me before the season started. But yeah, we've been we've had racing, Dan. Well, and, no, I, I think I think to be fair, in Qatar they got as close to spring classics weather as they can ever get. Uh, by which I mean it was windy and they blew a lot of sand around, which is kind of like their version of snow. So yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not the most exciting course in the world, Qatar. Um, it's when you look on the maps. It's these very, very long, very, very straight roads where they kind of, how it goes is this. You'll be bombing down a road at 70 kilometers per hour because you've got some enormous great big tailwind and it's fantastic. And then you take a sharp angle into the headwind and headwinds and everything goes to hell. So it's, yeah, it's, it was yeah. funny because it was live on TV. And yeah. Which, you know, as, as we all know, is, is such a rare and special occasion that it's quite amazing. And, um, and Drew, no, no shortage of um, arch and snide comments about how um, ASO managed to organise uh, live video coverage for this race and yet can't do it for any of the others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you do have to wonder how you can manage to get um, race coverage from ASO's Ladies Tour of Qatar... Um, when they can't actually manage to show you what happens on the fucking murder fee. <laughs> All I'm saying, I've said it before and I'll say it again, uh, the Arabian Peninsula has some of the most progressive and forward-thinking people in the world. And they <laughs> are clearly showing the rest of us that we are far too conservative when it comes to women's cycling coverage. Well, that's, I mean, that's the kind of strange thing. And every year you have these these kind of... Slight, these photos where you have um, the winner on the podium in her full and lycra getting given her flowers by a woman in a full burqa. And that's, that's always a fascinating thing. But it's, they really, it's, this race is it's only been going, this is the fifth time it's run, yeah? Um, I was worried beforehand because out of all the women's races that I want to have live, really top quality TV coverage... I wouldn't pick this parkour. <laughs> but it was actually really good racing, and um, and that's one of the things that, that I actually loved about it. And, it, you know, it goes back to something that we comment on frequently, which is that, you know, the, the course is, you know, certainly a major contributor to the quality and style of race that you're going to get. But at the end of the day, you get the race that's made by the racers. Yeah. And um, and you put the the right bunch of, of women on the road with the right incentives, and you're going to get a good race every time. And we got some bloody good racing. Oh, it was amazing! It was. I think it was stage two. I've I've written about this on our blog, but it was. <laughs> I was sat at work surreptitiously watching with the no volume, kind of being really sneaky because um, yeah, it's only half an hour, only only kind of half an hour racing. How much can I get away with? And I've had a you know, all it's been the last in terms of road has been Lance Armstrong, Rasmussen, you know, blah, 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 doping, doping, terror, terror, misery, misery. And I thought over this winter that, you know, shit, do I still like cycling? <laughs> do I still like road cycling? And I'm, I still haven't answered that question on the men's side. But it got to the end of, of you know, in the middle of stage two, that, oh, that familiar love, that rush, that just energy and excitement and yeah i still love racing 
and just the the drama and and you know really interesting things like um, uh, I think it was stage two when Orica AIS had um, five riders in the break, yeah, and um, and somehow in the last sort of uh, eight kilometres or so of the stage, the they couldn't get the tactics quite right and they couldn't they couldn't bunch up and and you know, use their their clear dominance in numbers to split the um, the the group up or force um, you know strong moves and counterattacks from the, the main contenders for the sprint. And so it wound up in a bunch sprint and, you know, uh, to their grave misfortune, Oricon missed out on the day. Um, but it, it made for really interesting drama. And yeah. one of the things I loved was uh, a friend on Twitter who um, is certainly not a fan of flatter courses, uh, believes that every every race should have like 400 coals in it or something <laughs> like that, um, but was, was sitting there on Twitter offering up um, quite detailed and nuanced um, tactical advice on the race, which I found very amusing. And really, um, you know, it's fun. You can tell when someone who's normally not going to like this kind of course uh, has been caught up in what's happening and engaged to the point where they're venting their, their, you know, do this, do that kind of tactical read of the situation on, on Twitter as it's happening, then, you know, job done. You've built an exciting race for people to watch, haven't you? Yeah, and it was just, oh, it was so good, so good, and so interesting. And, and I think because it was live, and because there was so much shit going on, you know, if you are a fan of, if you're a fan of cycling, a men's, if you're a primarily a fan of men's cycling, it's just a horrible, horrible time. And there were people who I've never seen commenting on women's races, or who'd said, you know, this is, I haven't really seen much women's racing. But, oh, my God, that was fantastic. And just getting really... And part of it is because... I mean, I know there's a lot of discussion about how to improve women's racing, and a lot of people think that all women's races should be held on the same day as men's races. But this kind of proves why there's room for something else. Because this was the first race we could see live, yeah? Mm. Um, I, know, I, know you've had, I know you've had the Australian races and stuff like that, but this was the... You know, that's like... They kind of turn up at mad times for the... For the, for the, for the, for the <laughs> Oh, you're so Eurocentric. It's adorable. <laughs> I am European, Dad. Yeah, yeah, no, your, um, your racism and ethnocentrism is noted. No, but, I mean, you said yourself you couldn't watch the, um... It, was it the Tour Down Under? Well, yeah, but that's because I have a job and I was at work and I still put the stream on my computer at work and watched it every day anyway. Uh, hi, yeah, boss, but... if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, boss. Bye, boss. <laughs> it's um. It, but but you know this was. I think that there's something nice about the first race of the, you know the first UCI race of the year, being the women's one, being yeah. the women's that. Yeah. I mean it was. Oh, I I think it's actually um you know honestly I'm cynical enough to not really believe that this is a masterstroke of genius on the the part of the UCI. More likely to have been just you know sheer fucking fluke. Yeah, and it happens but, every year. It's but, been every year. Yeah, yeah, no, but but I mean, it, it's just fluke. Yeah. It's probably more down to scheduling and that the men don't want to start racing that early or some bullshit like that. Yeah, um, yeah. But the the beautiful thing is that that for the the fans, the audience in general, you know, we've been out without races for like two whole months. For fuck's sake, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, I I need to see a race and. And so, yeah, it is actually really cool. And it is also, I, I mean, full credit to um, the race organisers, but also uh, particularly to Al Jazeera for, um, you know, not just covering the race, but actually making it accessible free online globally uh, with their global sports channel. Uh, clearly the right attitude towards showcasing an event that's designed to, you know, showcase Qatar and... Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely full credit. Yeah, and um, can we talk about what happens in each stage? Oh, if we must. I mean, I just wanted to wax lyrical about, you know, how generally awesome it was before people found out <laughs> I didn't watch any of it. <laughs> Kidding. Kidding. <laughs> well, you've watched more cycling than me this week, so, you yeah. know, I can't, I, I, can't, I can't talk about that. Can we but talk yeah, about no, Kirsten Wild? Is that what you want to talk about, or do you want to no, talk about I'm stage just, one first? Well, I just, I mean, 
what I love about this, so I mean, they're all short. They're all short stages, right? Only one of them was only a hundred kilometers. It was over a hundred kilometers, and there's wind, and it's really hard to get away on these stages. But they still were just wonderful. And it started off stage one with a breakaway of um, it had Lisa Brunauer. It ended up with a breakaway because the other thing we have to kind of point out is when you talk about these races, there'd be five thousand attacks. And yeah. loads of breakaways and loads of attacks and captures and anything could stay away and anything could not stay away. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It's like that's the thing that's so amazing about this. And that was the thing that I really love watching, seeing it live because, you know, when you read a race report, if you read it in Cycling News or on womenscycling.net or something like that, they have to keep it to a certain word count or people are going to get bored. And then Amelia Farleen attacked and then Trixie Warwick attacks. And, that, you know, it's just, it's, you know, so you kind of keep it quite snappy. But to see it live, <laughs> when the common can't catch up with who's attacked and cat caught. And <laughs> it's like that, that episode of The Simpsons when, um, when the soccer comes to Springfield and um, the, the guys are sitting in the stands and the American commentator's going, and Smith kicks it to Jones, and Jones kicks it back to Smith, and Smith kicks it to Jones. And Jones kicks it back to Smith, and then they pan over to the next commentary booth, and um, and it's the the European announcer. Smith kicks it to Jones. Jones passes to Smith. Smith to Jones. Jones to Smith. You know, it's it's all in the delivery, isn't it? <laughs> so stage one, it ended up with um. Now, what I found funny also was seeing which riders had been in in the Australian races mm. because. <laughs> Stage one was hilarious. Just the riders who who've been used to riding those Aussie crits <laughs> had kept really taking wrong turns. Them. Is that what you're saying? Pardon? They kept taking wrong turns. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I mean they were really fucking great riders. God, you're horrible. <laughs> I'm allowed to. They're my countrywomen. Yeah. Well, in in stage one, it was all a bit Aussie because um, Chloe Hosking, who rides for High Tech. And Gracie Elvin, who rides for Orica AIS, had escaped and they were out by themselves. And oh my God, Hosking's such a good sprinter. And it's really fun because this is the first time she's ridden in a, in a big team for her as, as the leader. Because, mm. you know, she, she's been in Specialized Lululemon where she's been in um, uh, Inayoko Thunberg's sprint train. And, you know, she's had chances to ride for herself, but this is a different thing. And it was, I just found watching her really exciting. So there's, there's Hosking and, and Elvin. They're joined by Elizabeth de Vocht of Rabobank and Lisa Brunauer. I really like Lisa Brunauer. She's been focusing on track and the Olympics for, you know, for the last... So this, but this year, watch out for Lisa Brunauer. She's finally she, free. She's free! She writes for Specialised. Anyway, so they're riding, they're racing, they're racing, they're racing, they're working together. Then they start cat and mousing. And while they're cat and mousing, because it's long straight roads, you can see the peloton behind them. And yeah. what the fuck? you doing women oh my god <laughs> just you know they're doing that thing where you start freewheeling and someone go you know and you're, you're all trying to ride as slow as possible so someone else can lead you out and it's just it was so and you're like jeez the women's behind you you know like how it's quite foreshortened yeah, how it appears yeah, exactly oh my god they're gonna catch you and the peloton's charging towards them and they're looking at each other oh, i can i can imagine watching this with you must be like watching a uh you know, five-year-old child, the first time they see a pantomime, behind <laughs> you, look out! <laughs> Just shouting at the TV and waving your arms. <laughs> well, it's not on TV, it's on my computer, so that's not entirely true. Oh no, and then it falls off your lap and you spill tea on it, and oh no, not again, <laughs> quick, the backup computer! <laughs> no, I've no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Anyway, so then they start sprinting, and Hosking started sprinting first, and there's Hosking and Elvin, who know each other really well, and obviously raced in the Australian season, and they're going sprinting practically elbow to elbow, and Hosking wins, yeah? So it's Hosking, Elvin, Devok, Brunauer, and you're thinking, well, this is a flat race, intermediate sprint bonifications, you know, that's who the GC is going to be decided by, but the peloton was only 10 seconds behind them. Yep. <laughs> with a big bump sprint for second for, for for fifth place so yeah so it was that was just like oh can we have a more perfect um race setup it really That's was the, the best possible setup yeah and then in stage two uh orica 
were clearly, you know, trying to make up for their near miss the the day before, um, with well, basically the whole team in the break. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it was. I mean, can you really call it a break when you put the whole team in? Isn't it just you know Orica on a training ride with some friends? <laughs> well, to be fair, there were only five of six of them in the break. <laughs> sure, sure. So, so one went back to the team car and got dropped. I mean, that happens. It's, yeah. <laughs> well, no, they, it's, it'd be one of those courses. There's a, there's, the other thing about this race is because is they kind of, because the riders kind of know when the action is going to happen, which made this even more funny. So there'd been three riders out ahead, Jiang of Giants, Justin Schiffer, and Cipollini, and Cordon of France. And no one had been chasing, no one had been chasing. Then they did one of those things where you turn the corner into a headwind. And five out of six of the Orica riders are suddenly up the road. <laughs> <laughs> but you think at that point, right, that they had it, yeah? I'd say but someone there... told them that it was a points race and they thought they had to get a lap. I think that's what happened. <laughs> well, except only four riders made it with them, yeah? Yeah. Those four riders <laughs> were Chloe Hosking, who'd won the first stage and was a race leader, um, Kirsten Veald, who's won this race twice before and um, come third, and it's only been run, you know, this was the uh, only in the four times it's been run before. Yes. <laughs> and then from Specialized, Ellen Van Dyke and Trixie Borick. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, clearly the, the weakest members of other teams that you would definitely want to bring along with you on a training <laughs> ride. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Ellen, Ellen is a shit-hot sprinter. And, and basically, I know it's, it sounds counterintuitive, but they basically race guitar like it's Dutch racing, yeah? It's all about playing in the wind, the echelons, the brakes, the, the sand in the road. The only thing they don't have is the rain and the co- cobbles. Otherwise, it's, otherwise it's Dutch. arguably, the sand makes up for it. You know, I would, I would suggest that the extreme heat and the, the sand certainly offset anything that you lose from, uh, from the snow, sleet, you know, freezingness <laughs> of... of the Dutch. Uh, yeah, so. but, but when you think of Dutch sprinting, I mean, Ellen van Dyke is just a fantastic powerhouse. Hopefully, if you don't, if you're new to women's cycling, you will remember her from the uh, Olympic Games where she was just attacking and attacking and attacking and killing it and setting it up perfectly for Mariana Voss. And the, you know, before they even got to Box Hill, she mm. like, attacked five million times. Um, so she's a great sprinter. Trixie Warwick, well, I always say Trixie Warwick is the rider who's most likely to win the music jersey. Yep. She's not a sprinter, but my God, she's tactical. <laughs> <laughs> and then, obviously, Hosking is a great sprinter, and Kirsten Veeld is head and shoulders the queen of Dutch sprinting. She's just, um, you know, the two pure sprinters of the peloton for the last couple of years have been Veeld and Teutenberg, with Mariana Voss, of course, because Voss can do everything. Um, yeah, so you're sitting there going, mm, five Orica, that should be in their favour. Yep. <laughs> And, well, you know, to be fair, at the moment when we were all saying that to ourselves and to each other, we weren't wrong. It should have been in their favour. Well, yeah. And, I mean, the trouble is with Orica. Orica had this interesting thing because their, their team was, so the five in the break were Luce Kunawake, um, Tiffany Cromwell, Amanda Spratt. Now, there are, they are Kunawake's basically classics attack suicide breakaway queen. And Cromwell, as you know, same, you know, same difference, but maybe she prefers this bit hilly. Um, or or just to... longer, you know. I mean, she does yeah. love that 107-kilometre romp on her own. Yeah. And then Grace Elvin, and their new team captain, Emma Johansson. Mm. I mean, and Emma Johansson has been... I don't mean this to sound awful, because the best rider in the women's peloton is Mariana Voss. And oh, she's wow, a course of... but it's going to sound awful, because you've said no. you don't mean it to sound awful, which means no, no, it is going to, say, to sound awful. No, I was going to say, Emma Johansson is... is the second best rider in the women's peloton. Oh, that's and awful. I... <laughs> you can't say that. That's awful. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the thing is, is Orica didn't bring us, I mean, the nearest they had to a sprinter is Elvin, who's, you know, she, she's, because, and, the, and the problem they have is that a lot of their sprint stars are in, are in training for the track worlds. So, they had so they brought a classic squad along with them, and they did mm. this last year too. To be fair, they had their classic squad last year, and they won the race with you to aunt because. Yep. But I think everyone else had 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 picked this up. You know, last year it was the first time they're out together. I don't think people were quite ready for it. Yeah. This year, people were ready for it. Mm, mm. <laughs> so, and it was interesting because because people were saying on Twitter, 
what the hell's Ellen Van Dyke doing on the front, working on the front? She should be waiting for the sprint because what, what's going on? But then you realise they were keeping the pace really high so that no one could, so that to, to deter all those suicide breakaway specialists. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to deter anyone else from, uh, from making a ridiculously long breakaway. Um, yeah. But also to you know try and maintain dominance of their superior numbers. Um, yeah. I also wonder though. I, I mean, I say this with absolutely no basis, but I, I do wonder. I mean, as you say, they've had a couple of big changes um, to the roster this year. I mean, of course, yeah. every team has, but um, but there is, I think, possibly an element of um, getting riders familiar with each other as well. Yeah, and, and I mean, so you know, sending sending a group like that up the road, maybe, yeah. I mean, sure, you're taking your chances, and obviously you're racing to win, but but maybe it's also as much about putting them in in a strange situation and getting them working together, and you know, doing all the things that you do at the start of a season to to gel a team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's no. I have no. I mean, no. It, it was quite funny. I'm, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but about how the race the race panned out. It was quite funny on one hand how the race panned out, but yeah, this is this is when you do it. You know, you don't you want you want that practice in um, Qatar. You don't want that practice in Trofeo Binder or Ronald yeah. Andrent or, 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 or yeah, or Flanders or, or yeah. you know one of the the really big um, one yeah. day races. So yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, this is this is they did it perfectly. I've got no criticism for them. They were just and really they were outclassed because the best. <laughs> so there they were when they started pinging off the attacks. Mm. You had Kirsten Veeld jumped on everything, and Veeld's been riding six days she all was winter. So dominant. It was just uh, it was a masterclass. I mean, god damn, that woman was amazing. She was. She, she was shutting everything down. She was keeping everyone in line, she was disrupting any attempt of anyone else yeah. to organise, and yeah. then when it came time, she just grabbed the race by the scruff of the neck and took charge and, and brought it home. It was yeah, she... just, I mean, honestly, if you were going to pick, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to teach a young sprinter how to dominate from a large break, that's the stage that you you get the tape of and show them and just say watch this three hundred times until you can recite every move from memory, and then we'll start <laughs> talking about you having learnt enough to begin to be allowed to ride your bike, you know. It was and it wasn't and Trixie as well. I mean that was the other thing was those those four ride those sprinters knew each other. They mm. know each other inside out. They were ready for each other. So you had you had Van Dyke doing the, so, you know, between the two the specialists who specialised women, they'd obviously spoken, you know, they'd obviously got it over, okay, Van Dyke up there for powerhouse, Trixie for the moves, mm. because, you know, Trixie could have gone with, if, if, if a move, you know, Trixie can do those, those, those opportunistic breakaway suicide things, yeah? Yeah. yeah. You have Van Dyke, you know, someone would go, I don't know how Kirsten Beald has those eyes in the back of her head, but someone would ping off the left-hand side of the road, Field would just shoot sideways, Trixie bang on her wheel, Hosking bang on her wheel. Do you know I what can, I mean? I can only guess, because compared to all the others, she's such a, a, a physically large woman too, that she must have abnormally large ears, and she can just hear everything. It's, <laughs> it's the only thing I can come up with. She's got amazing yeah. hearing, and so she can no, just I... hear a gear shift and someone increasing their cadence, and she knows they're coming. I've seen her in real life. She's not even as tall as Ellen Van Dyke. She's Kirsten Bill. People go, oh my God, she's huge. And she's absolutely not. It's like, I've met her in real life. She's, you know, she's just, she's, she just has that amazing, predatory, uh, intimidating bike style. She makes herself, she like, it's like some kind of puffer fish puffing herself up. Do you know what I mean? She looks powerful and intimidating and like she's going to awesome. ride you ride you to death. Awesome. So, so yeah, tell me tell was... me then that she's also like super sweet and really nice and polite and a little bit shy and retiring and oh you'll God. have completed the um the whole, you know, she's all bark and no bite kind of mythology. She totally is. Well, yeah. I interviewed her for Podium Cafe a couple of years ago and she was just lovely, really sweet. Hello, Kirsten, I think I'm your great kinds of you. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, typical Dutch. Oh, my English isn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> and then 
she politely corrects you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Except the Dutch are polite, they never would correct you. Um, yeah, anyway, so that was stage two. So stage two ended with um, Kirsten leads out from the front. Kirsten's been completely in control. There's been no one allowed to get away. Um, obviously, Hosking and Vorek and um, Van Dyke have been working with her because, you know, they want a bunch sprint too. Um, Kirsten starts her sprint, uh, sprint and just takes it. It was so close. It was a nice close one. Um, Warwick was right on her wheel because Warwick has been watching, watching, waiting, waiting, contributing to the chasers, you know, contributing yep. a huge amount to this race, not just sitting on, but grabs, 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 grabs Kirsten's wheel, using every ounce of slipstream she can possibly get, tries so hard to get round her, but just can't. Wheels yeah. one. Warwick's it was second. so um, close, and it was such a great move uh, from both of them. It, it was just, yeah. It was beautiful, and that yeah. was the moment where I was just like, yeah, this is my sport, this is my passion. I just wanted to, I wanted to say thank you to every single rider. You know, they've... And give them all <sighs> hugs and rainbows and unicorns and puppies. Exactly, and yeah. vast amounts of cash. But yeah, so beautiful. So... Hosking finished in fourth, so she's still race leader, although her race lead has dropped because of the um, intermediate and endpoint bonifications. Mm. And the first Orica is Emma Johansson in fifth. Yes. So, stage three. Stage three is the same sort of thing. Now, oh, there was a really interesting picture as well that um, Ben Atkins, um, Bello Nation's Ben Atkins, pointed out to me afterwards, which was a picture of Kirsten's um, bike stem. And you know how without, radi without radios, they, they often have um, the sprint points and the kilometres marked down on their, yep. um, on their bike stem. Well, Kirsten had also got a little map of the course. <laughs> <laughs> so she knew exactly when everything was going to happen. She was completely fucking prepared. It was great. This is her first race for Argos Shimano, and she was just, she was just on it. Yep. So, history. It started off with tailwinds. Everyone was saying it's the 60-kilometer point that, where this race actually starts because they start off... I mean, obviously, a million attacks. Forlene was attacking, at least along the... Wongini was attacking from both from high-tech. Huge attacks. But they knew that when it got to the 60-kilometer point, there's a big turt bend, yep. and they go from this tailwind to having a... Um, to, 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 the winds, to the winds not being people's friends, Yeah. And there was also big crashes. Um, Rochelle Gilmore from Wiggle was taken, you know, was, was, mm. was crashed. And well, she crashed Devoff, out of the race then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Elizabeth Devoft, who'd, you know, who'd come, who'd come on the podium in the, in the first stage was, was out too, and you know, that's always a shame. But they ended up with a kind of semi but so it's attritional, you know, there's echelons, there's groups forming, there's groups coming back, you know, la, 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 trauma. But it comes down to a bunch of sprints. And once again, people are peeing off the front. They're attacking and attacking. And Kirsten Veal's doing exactly the same chasing. She's literally zigzagging across. You can see her head turning like radar. You know, she's got, if anyone even looked like they were even thinking about starting to attack, Kirsten was, you know, there waiting for them. It was just, oh, I think Nicola Kramner, who runs Exegeter, had said, yeah, you can see this is her point. You can see yep. this is her Day. Everyone was making jokes, jokes about points racing, her track skills. Um, I think Jens was saying he wanted her to take a lap. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> at the end, of course, there's all these small laps, and it was pretty much like that. You know, people were just going, bang, Kirsten's on their wheel. wheel. I'm attacking, Kirsten's on the wheel. You know what I mean? She's yep. just like a recovery. So good, so strong. And this is because it's a short, you know, it's, it's shorter races. They've got the energy to do this. Beautiful. Um, it was slightly unfortunate for Chloe Hosking. She punctured at 500 metres to go. Yes, that was, in, uh, in a classic moment of understatement, slightly unfortunate, yes. <laughs> she looked so unhappy. She was like, mm. she had her hand up, and she had her hand up and up, please help. And then you could see her towards the end with her hand up and up, oh, God, there's yep, yep. I could do. And they did slow up a little bit. I mean, that you could see the peloton slow up a little bit when yeah. they realised that she But then when they realised she wasn't going to be able to come back, and that because it was in the last final three kilometres, she could still... Yeah, so you know, she, she got the same time but uh, as, the, as the group that she was with at the time, but yeah. Yeah, so then they, so they were like, then they kind of hit it again. And it was a lovely, lovely sprint. And there's, this, there's a beautiful moment. Now, there was Wiggle Honda, this was their, they had a really big press launch beforehand. And, you know, there's some really good videos and stuff from their, from their press. 
But they had really had quite an anonymous race up to this point. And part of that is because, you know, Rochelle crashed. But the other part is Georgia Bronzini, two times world road champion, former track, champ, track world champion in points race. Her big thing for this month, for February, is the world champion, the track world championships. But there was that moment where you suddenly had this very, George is a very small rider and she's almost the opposite of Kirsten in that she kind of has a very small, petite, compact positioning on the bike. Uh-huh. And you can see when they were like, when they were kind of pushing out for the sprint, there's Kirsten, there's Ellen Van Dyke. And there was Georgia just behind them, <laughs> tucked in. <laughs> and she actually has this strange ability where she can, she can fold her bones up. Uh, she flexes her muscles and they actually sort of contract and she gets a little bit smaller and a little bit more aero. It's amazing. Yeah. It's an incredible <laughs> she mutation. Say- she can also fit in really small hotel rooms. Uh, she <laughs> regularly just gets put in the closet. It's just, yeah. <laughs> Sleeps upright. It's un- uncanny. Uncanny. She, you can actually, she, literally, she can fold her, her shoulders up and then you can hang her from one of the coat hangers in there. <laughs> That's not even her best specialist skill. Her best specialist skill is that Oscar Ferreira Oscar like ability to be completely invisible in the peloton. And suddenly there she is. <laughs> in the sprint, winning like the race. Like a ninja. Yeah, exactly. She has her invisibility cloak. She puts her shields up and she's, um, yeah, it's brilliant. Anyway, so the stage, stage three, um, bunch sprint, Kirsten Veald again shutting everything down. No one can escape. Everyone tries. Veald is just like, no, you're not doing that. And Ellen Van Dyke's not going to take this lying down. So she starts her sprint early. And you're thinking, shit, she's got it. It's going to be great. It's, it's you know, she, she, she's taking it to Kirsten. But Kirsten comes past her and wins. <laughs> Kirsten. Oh, oh Kirsten. So good. And then, yeah, there's this picture afterwards where you've got Kirsten just across the line um, holding out her shirt, pointing to her sponsors, her new team, Argo Shimano. And then behind her, you've got Ellen with her hands on the bars and her head right down, pure dejection. And with Bronzini, with Bronzini, in, with Bronzini in third. So, yeah. Um, and her intermediate sprint bonifications and her end bonifications means that she took over the jersey from Chloe and ended up three seconds ahead as they went into the final day. Bum, bum, bum. So at the end of stage three, Kirsten Field, Chloe plus three, Gracie Elvin plus 16, Ellen Van Dyke plus 17. So a little bit of a showdown ahead, you say? A little bit of a showdown ahead, yeah. And this last stage, you ride from, um, you ride up the coast from Qatar, and you hit Doha, and then you do laps of Doha. And it's the weirdest thing. It's like, I mean, it's the same with the men's race. People are going, oh my god, there are no crowds. It's going, yeah, there are never any crowds. This is Qatar, and it's because, and it's that weird thing of having gone from the desert to suddenly get to these places, which is all lush green grass. Mm. Mm. You know, lush green grass, ridiculously futuristic buildings. Empty roads, you know, completely um, closed off roads, hardly any people around. It's just like some kind of science fiction thing. Very strange. It was so awesome. I especially loved the jetpacks. That was really cool. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe that's, maybe that's Kirsten's secret. <gasps> now the UCI are going to have to check a bike for jetpacks. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you can totally see it, uh, you know, at kilometre six when she does this thing and, mm. and you can see that hacker, you know. Bike, and, go to afterburners. Yes, when, when the flames come roaring out of the back of the bike. You know, mm. that's, that was a bit of a giveaway. Yeah, anyway, just, just look um, for Georgia Bronzini behind her with scorched eyebrows. <laughs> and then last stage, um, Kirsten took the um, early, sprint boni- early sprint bonnies with Chloe pretty much there too and Ellen Van Dyke who moved up to virtual third in GC on the road and oh my god you know attacks 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 especially high tech I mean high tech were great I can't wait to see what they do this year because Elisa Longo Borghini is, is going to do something fantastic this year that's my that's my prediction um attack 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 same 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 shutting down things you know how it goes um and then at the end, um, Chloe Hoskins only three seconds behind. She's a bit more behind because Kirsten's picked up some intermediate sprint bodies. So she starts a sprint early. Fuck it, I'm gonna try it. I can just all or nothing, you know, heart in my heart everywhere. So she starts a sprint early, and unfortunately for her, doesn't make it. 
um, Veald is behind her. And on Veald's world is Lucinda Brand, who's not normally a sprinter, but Brand had been in all the breakaways. She's a Rabobank rider. She's normally a climber, escapee artist, classicy type. But there she was. She'd been in all the attacks early. Rabo really wanting to take something back from this race. Yep. Yeah. So Brand in second place, Marta Tagliaferro in third. The end. Kirsten mm. Veald's won her third title. And people were going, oh, her historic third title winning this. You're going, yeah, it's only been raced three times. <laughs> Sorry, five times. <laughs> well, yes, but by technical definition, it is still history. Yeah, but she has actually now been the rider who's won the most stages of this race. So, you know, hurrah, hurrah, Kirsten. So, um, final GC, Kirsten, uh, Chloe Hosking, Ellen Van Dyke. Um, Hosking wins the best young rider jersey, which, you know, is, oh, well, she's still a best young rider. Brilliant! And um, Orica may not have won any stage. May not. <laughs> but, but they won the best team prize. Cool. And, you know, they did a lot of work together as a team, which is important and, you know, may yet surprise us all when the classics start. No, they are absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mocking them at all. They were, they rode really well, and they're just going to be fantastic. So look out for Orica, people. This is going to be a fun season. It's so exciting. And uh, speaking of that, what have we got yeah. to look forward to in the the burgeoning beginning of the 2013 season? What's next? Well, we have a couple of weeks off, um, and then it's the Vuelta Costa Rica on the 21st to 24th, um, and then they have the Vuelta El Salvador on the 28th of Feb to the 5th of uh, March, which um, various riders are at. Or, if you prefer your European Spring Classics, we have the Omloop Het Noisblad um, on the 23rd of February. Cool. So, basically, you're saying we can enjoy semi-tropical sunshine, fruity cocktails, and uh, nice weather... Or we can... <laughs> we can get rained on. <laughs> yeah, right. No wonder so many riders are going to Costa Rica and El Salvador. That's all I'm saying. I know. No, just, like, Although, if you're given the choice, I can, I can see the argument both ways. Although, did you read any of Amber Nevin's blogs from those races last year? I did. I did indeed. And they sound awesome. Yeah, um... Potholes that can basically swallow a small child. Strange insects that make your feet swell up if you happen to get bitten Sarah, by them. there are so many things in this world that can swallow a small child. It's, it's not as hard as it sounds. You forget. You're, that's only, for the, only in Australia. Uh, there are giant anacondas in the Amazon. Okay. Okay, but yeah, okay. generally the peloton aren't racing in places where half the wildlife wants to kill you. Really? Higher percentages in the Netherlands? Bearing in mind that does include the Dutch population. I can't even think of what animal would kill you in the Netherlands. Do they have animals in the Netherlands? They have cows. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe wild boar would crash out of the forest and knock you off your bike. They don't and have you. wild boar in Western Europe still, do they? They have wild boar in England. Oh, that, that, they're just Scots. That's mean. You shouldn't say that. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't believe you talked so long about Qatar. I would never have dreamt I could talk that long about Qatar. But, oh my god, it was so good! It was on TV, and it was great. And if people haven't, if people haven't seen any of it and want to catch up with the videos, you can find the links to the videos on our website www.prowomenscycling.com. <laughs> it's such an evil note of glee when you say that. I love it. What? prowomenscycling.com and yeah and yeah go there and you'll see the links to the videos they're great they're really really fun and they're not the only racing you have been watching are they mr i only like the road everything else sucks why are you talking to me about these other disciplines i never said everything else sucked i just said that it could be vastly improved with a few simple changes and i stand by my statement because I have done further research, dear friends, into the nebulous worlds of track cycling and cyclocross. <laughs> you uh, were, here in Australia, were, we had... Sorry? 
there you were tweeting riders, telling them how great they were, telling them you really enjoyed the race. I saw you. You can't hide from me. I never said I enjoyed the race. I did congratulate them, but I never said I enjoyed the race, being technical. <laughs> um, although, if they're listening now, I totally enjoyed the race. Thank you so much for racing that very well and entertainingly. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so, what, so what were you watching? Uh, so here in Australia, we had the track nationals on uh, last week. So um, four days, well, four evenings, I guess is the better way to categorise it, of racing um, at the Dunk Grey Velodrome, which people may remember from the Sydney 2000 Olympics. Um, and Friday night and Saturday night, which are obviously the the two main nights of finals were also televised live here which you know makes it even easier and better to watch so um we had um yeah a a couple of nights of of quality track racing it was very interesting um to see there's definitely a um i can't think of i i can't tell if what i'm about to say is impolitic but knowing (laughs) myself as i do it probably is Um, But, yeah, it it was interesting to see. To me, uh, track cycling in Australia in particular seems to very much be a young cyclist game. Um, Not to say that there aren't older and and more experienced and successful riders there, but that uh, I don't know if this carries over into other nations' um, cycling development programs and stuff or, or whatnot, but it seems to be how it goes in Australia that young riders get identified through the track programs because they're closely aligned with uh, the Institute of Sport and our Olympic programs. And from there, riders tend to uh, progress and, you know, some focus solely on track and others branch out into road and and so on. Uh, So it was really interesting seeing um, riders like Nettie Edmondson dominated. Uh, She actually won three national championships uh, Mm -hmm. over the the course of the, the meet. Uh, in particular, the individual pursuit and uh, the scratch race. And, yeah, her, as an aside, we don't normally talk about these people because they don't fit into the purview of the show, but her brother won the uh, the points race, uh, Alex Edmondson, <laughs> uh, for the boys. So, you know, turns out that uh, the cycling genes are strong in that family. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so it was um, an interesting and fun couple of nights of, of um, left-hand turns. <laughs> and and you are slowly, slowly becoming into track. I mean, N- Nettie Evanson is, is fantastic. She's obviously been the big rival of Nora Trott in the Omnium, um, you know, winning the Omnium. The British and the Australians obviously have this massive, massive... Um, competition between them between each other and you know so Nettie coming second in the Olympics behind Laura Trott and um in the Omnium and obviously Australia coming second in the team pursuit behind Great Britain there's um yeah there's a lot to play for in ours isn't there I don't know ancient history I can't remember the things you're talking about (laughs) happened a long time ago no one pays attention to stuff like that and what else have you been watching Daniel uh, well, so then on um, on the weekend, some of you who um, live in you know snowbound areas um, may have heard of a a uh, developing branch of of cycling based sports known as cyclocross. It turns out that in Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville, we learned how to say that from uh, our dear friend Helen Wyman, uh, we're hosting the World Championships. Now, interestingly enough, uh, among all the the various things that were going on in the world, uh, turns out that when the Americans put on the Cyclocross World Championships, they, my friends, do not fuck around. They brought it all. They brought the snow, they brought the rain, they made sure that the course was muddy, then they rained on top of the course and let that freeze, and then they snowed on top of the ice, on top of the rain, on top of the mud, and then, just to be sure, they started to flood the local river. So, I'm not even... I know, I know I have a tendency to hyperbole and exaggeration, but at the moment, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not even making shit up yet. This is just stuff that did actually happen. Uh, so, a little further upriver, there were volunteers not only helping, you know, organise the course and, and make sure all the tents were set up and all that sort of cool volunteer shit that people do, 
there were people sandbagging the river <laughs> so that should it rise further, we can still hold the Cyclocross World Championships. And fuck me if we didn't do just that. Um, <laughs> They had to bring it forward a day. They didn't did. They? they did actually have to bring it forward a day. So originally, um, all the big racing was going to be on Sunday. Um, with uh, I think it was the juniors on the Saturday, wasn't it? Um, juniors and under twenty-three on the Saturday. Yes. Um, they, had, they had a load of things. They had their collegiate races and their masters races and all of that in the week before. But yeah, it was going to be juniors and under twenty-three on Saturday. Yep. Women and men on Sunday. And um, and due to all the various things that were going on, they had to, <laughs> at the last minute, go, shit, guys, we, we ran out of sandbags. We're kind of fucked unless we all start racing now. Go. And, <laughs> and so they did. They ran all the races at once. It was very confusing. That's the point where I started making things up. But they did, they did actually bring everything forward today um, and ran all the races on the Saturday. So in Australia, now I want you, uh, dear listener, to note this down. Every time Sarah bitches about something like the Tour Down Under or the Bay Crits or some race in Australia like our national championships or whatever, being on at an ungodly time, which, just to be clear, for her is like 11 o'clock at night. I got up at 3 o'clock in the fucking morning on Sunday to, to watch the Cyclocross World Championship, alright? So, you know, you can complain all you like about staying up past bedtime. I've had my cup of tea. Um, but some of us do actually care about the sport and pay attention no matter what the personal cost. So, I just want you to all know that when I first started talking to Dan... If you mention track or cyclocross, he knows ridiculous, oh rubbish, oh useless, left hand turns, running, you know, I I can't even do the accent, but imagine him getting all high pitched and Carol Evans and squeaky. I did not get high pitched and squeaky, thank you very much. I got low toned and dismissive. (laughs) But now, there you are. On your on your Friday and Saturday night watching the track and then getting up at three in the morning to watch the cyclocross. All I can say is why the fuck haven't I been trying to persuade you to give me all your money? Well all I can say is clearly I need more friends. <laughs> why the fuck wasn't I out? What? <laughs> Holy shit. Anyway. Uh- so yeah, so 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 yeah. The the race was really interesting. Um, I I was actually talking to Sarah about this um, briefly before we started um, recording, and mentioned to her that I I'm not sure if it's just because now that I've seen a little bit of cross, it was a bit easier to understand what was going on, or because of the layout of the course, or or I'm not quite sure what was different. But I found this race a lot easier to wrap my head around and understand what was happening and and all of that sort of thing but it was very interesting um all the all the you know big riders were on the front line at the start obviously uh but it was very interesting because it um you know one of the things about cross that i've observed in the the bit of time that i've been watching is that um it really highlights those little moments that that become quite selective over the course of a race and so there were, on the first lap, um, two reasonably significant moments. Um, the first being a, an accident, unfortunately, where Georgia Gould uh, locked up wheels with, uh, I can't remember who else, and went down, and it caused a bit of a ripple effect and, and um, caught up a large bunch of riders. And uh, in addition to Georgia, um, uh, Helen Wyman also got caught up, held up in that. Uh, and so by the time they started riding again, everyone had picked up and it cleared and, and started off again, they dropped all the way back to 43rd and 44th position, uh, yeah. which is, you know, particularly in a cross race, really a nightmare because it's not that it's impossible to come back from that, but that is huge work to to be able to come back. And from that point on, everything has to go your way. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, sad to say, but um, that, that did have a significant impact. The second thing was that um, the, the front group, um, a little further around on that first lap, uh, there was a moment coming up, uh, a small rise into a left-hand turn, 
and um, Marina Voss had been sitting in second position the whole way uh, from from the from the uh, start, and then there were a few riders behind them, uh, but the, the the two that everyone were paying attention to obviously were Katie Compton and Mariana, and the French rider whose name has escaped me at the Lisa moment. Chanel. Yes. Yes. Um, had a not even a slip, but you know, just hit that that point um, on the course where um, either she'd lost enough momentum or or the ground was um, slick enough that she had to unclip and put one foot down. And it's such a tiny, stupid thing, but it was enough to slow everyone behind her down. There was, no one fell off, no one stopped, no one had to, you know, jump off or, or do anything drastic, but it slowed them just enough, and Mariana got a gap. <laughs> and, you know, I, I mean, really the race writes itself from that point. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. She, she opened up a gap. She had, I think it was about 43 seconds by the end of the first lap, and yeah. it just kept going up. Um, yeah. You know, she... She was up to a minute, and then it was a minute ten, and then it was a minute twenty, and I think, I think, yeah, she is just amazing, absolutely amazing. But, but there were all sorts of, you know, on the one hand, I, and it's one of the hard things about recounting a race is that, um, you know, trying to just note those few incidents condenses a lot of what happened and skips over a huge amount, and it makes it sound yeah. like the race wasn't or might not have been that engaging but it couldn't have been further from the truth it was still very very interesting watching um riders trying to fight fight their way back up the position um you know helen wound up uh making it back to 13th which you know given that you know she made up 31 places it's yeah. um you know that's no small achievement i mean obviously it's it's disappointing and not where she wanted to be but um you know given the circumstances that she was forced to ride in it was uh, certainly a great, great um, effort on her part. Uh, so yeah, there's there's all sorts of things though that were, were still going on. It's still quite interesting, and it was you know to me really interesting uh, seeing how uh, Compton in particular would react because you know she again was someone who had been um, caught up by something that technically wasn't her mistake, and and that had proven to be the moment that was was going to be decisive, um, you know. And so it, it's interesting to see how people respond to those pressures. But one of the other things that I found super interesting, and I don't know if this is weird or, or not, but um, the hurdles. Mariana has a completely different technique for going through the hurdles than anyone else I saw in the race. Um, mm -hmm. there's, so there's a stretch with two hurdles. Everyone else basically picks the bike up um, and runs over the hurdles. Yeah. And Mariana skips her bike. She, you know, picks it up over the first hurdle and then basically bounces it over the second one. <laughs> it was really interesting, really interesting. But the other thing is that her her running technique while she does that is the most natural. She doesn't overextend a leg in either direction. Um, she kicks her trailing heel up over the second hurdle just to make sure she doesn't, you know, catch her foot. And that's it. It's like it's it's the smoothest, most fluid thing I I think I've seen in in you know that sort of obstacle clearing, and um, you know to me it's notable not just because it's different to what other people were doing, but because it's clearly I mean of all the stupid stupid things in in one's life that you could get ridiculously good at, who would think it would be bouncing a bike over you know one foot high hurdles. But, but the thing is, it, it speaks to her character, though. This is, you know, we've talked about this before yeah. in road racing, you know, like last year, um, you know, in prep for the, the Gerardon where she was practicing descents because she knew she could make up time there that she was going to lose in climbs and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is a, a woman who, I mean, she loves riding bikes. We all know this. She loves winning. We all know that. But the, the thing is that it's not just that she does those things. It's it's the way that she does them. I mean, she loves them enough to perfect that detail, you yeah. know? And, and that's the yeah. thing that really leapt out at me. And so we're looking down the barrel of a year where she's like, you know, I'm doing all this other stuff and I'm having a lot of fun and I'm really enjoying it, but I want to keep pushing myself and challenging myself, so I'm thinking I might start doing some mountain bike. 
Now, if I'm a 26-year-old mountain biker, I'm fucking retiring right now. Because <laughs> what's the point? It's just over, it's you know. So I mean, God forbid, if she ever gets into trick riding like Danny McCaskill, you know, the guy with all the YouTube videos doing, uh -huh. you know, weird jumps and stuff, he's yeah. fucked. She'll take his, his livelihood. <laughs> I mean, if she picks anything if she goes to bmx if she goes to stunt riding i mean imagine what this woman could do if she went to the x games yeah 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 you know. but it's because but you're right it's because she loves it and she came in when they came into this this was this was i mean mariana has won this her, this is this was her fifth straight world champion win in a row mm. it's her sixth cyclocross title overall and she loves it she adores it it's not you know in the grand scheme of things it's not the biggest she does you know she's she's won in cross she's won in road she's running track and this yep. is like the least big do you know what I mean in terms of importance it's not going to make her but, it, but it's also pitch. something that but Helen Helen so said when we exactly and it's something that Helen said when we um, interviewed her that I it just rang really true to me and I love the way Helen phrased it which is that um, you know Mariana can't quit cross she keeps coming back to it because it's her one true love yeah yeah and she and you could see it like she was so I mean, watching her race, watching her her happiness. You'd think yeah. that someone who'd won, you know, you think someone who'd won, um, you know, five world championship titles already would be a bit blasé at this point, you know. But she still looks; it's everything. And oh, I think and it was, it was just there was such a beautiful thing as she came up to the line on the the last lap, and with a with just a, a lovely flourish, she looked up, waved to the crowd, pulled her glasses off, and then just did this beautiful bow. <laughs> while rolling her bike over the line. It was so just, fucking majestic. And, it. and, and it's the kind of thing that, you know, if people saw Peter Sagan or Contador doing something like that, there'd be all sorts of muttering, a fucking show-off, blah, blah, blah. But it's such a genuine gesture from Mariana yep. that you, there yep. is no way to, to misread the intent. It was just a, a beautiful gesture of thank you and happiness. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and she loves, and she's just... And this was an interesting one. I think. I think there, there must become a question of how do you, if you're Mariana, how do you keep competitive? But this was going to be easy because when she went in, this was Katie Compton's. You know, this is Katie. Com they had the American Nationals on this course. It's Katie Compton's home turf. This was, you know, her chance. This is. This was showcasing American. You know, showcasing American cyclocross. And they, you know, and it, it was really, and that must have just that just made um, I well, and and that was the other really interesting thing to me though was um, again remembering Helen's preview of the course and how she was saying that it wasn't as American as she thought it would be or thought it should be, um, and that's that's very interesting as well. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It was, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways I feel for Compton because, you know, there's there's. Obviously, all everyone talks about that that sort of home ground, home crowd advantage yeah. and stuff. But with it comes hometown yeah. pressure, you know, yeah, yeah. and expectation. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it was one of those. Um, it was sweet, and I don't want to mock it, but um, one of the commentators on the official UCI stream was uh, an American guy who um, every few minutes had to. Um, you know, in a in a excited and and enthusiastic voice, announce, "We're here at the the Women's Cross International World Championships, and Katie Cupton is riding her way into a silver medal." <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you know, I get it, and I understand, and and you know, it's good. There's nothing wrong with that, but it was just kind of, you know, it it, it did highlight that whole thing. Yeah, um, but it wasn't. I mean, the drama. So there's the drama of Katie. There's the drama of Katie versus Mariana, wasn't there? Mm. But then the drama about third place. Well, oh yeah, third, so and it, I mean, probably the biggest drama about third, and the main reason I didn't mention it is because we didn't see it. <laughs> no, well, no. I'm, I mean, we we saw we saw the last you know three seconds of it and and the result, but what we didn't see was exactly what happened in between before that last that last corner. So while we were um, fixed on the the end on camera to to see Katie come in for the silver, um, back behind her we had Lucy Chanel from France yes. and Catherine Nash from the Czech from, Republic. From the Czech Republic who but she she is a US resident, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Katarina yep. Nash, she lives, in, she lives in California. She's she rides, you know, she rides stateside. She rides mountain yep. bike over this summer. Yep. She's yeah, but yep. she's but she's she's technically Czech. Yeah, yeah. So so when we had last seen them, um, Katarina had a, a small lead on uh, Chanel, and it, it wasn't huge, but it looked like it was going to hold. And that was the the way the results were going to go, and um, and so we were. I was expecting, you know, Voss, Compton, Nash, as our podium, and then we look up from from Katie crossing for the silver, and yeah. it's you know all a little bit confusing because you know in the eternal frustration of any sporting event that is televised, when you don't see the thing that decides it, it's like. But what the fuck happened? <laughs> she ended up, didn't her, she dropped her chain or yes, her... Yes, she did. Her, and it was one of those heartbreaking things where, um, I, I'm not 100% sure, I thought she'd dropped her chain, but I did hear reports that um, perhaps her drivetrain seized, um, like got some kind of blockage in the cassette or something like that. But for whatever yeah. reason, she couldn't pedal. So yeah. the poor girl um, had one foot clipped in and was trying to basically skate the bike across the line um, as, um, as as Chanel came around the corner, chased her down and, and passed her. And, um, you know, it was just one of those... Like, it's, it's just, like, it, your heart really goes out to someone in that situation. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah. I, you know... It's the brutality of sport and competition and yeah. and that sort of thing. And it's it is also one of those things that, that makes drama and you know, for for everyone like myself who didn't have a a national rider in that particular matchup or, or a favoured rider, um, you know, I'm I'm somewhat neutral. Um, you know, for, for Czech fans I'm sure that was devastating. For French fans I'm sure that was some kind of amazing vindication of how the French are awesome. Um, and you know, as if the wine and cheese isn't enough. Seriously, France, get over your insecurities. <laughs> Fuck. Um, you know, and but but yeah, it, it's just it's one of those things that um, you know, drama comes at the price for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know, and and the same way as with 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 Chloe Hosking um, in in Qatar mm. in stage three. Oh, you just got to say that's bike racing. It's, well, I, I prefer to say, fuck it, that's bike racing. But that's because <laughs> I like a little bit of salty language, you may have noticed. So, you know. No. Yeah, no, it's true. It is. It's no, true. I've never noticed that about you. Really? I'll have, to, I'll have to look for it. I had wondered if you were fucking deaf. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just I've never heard, never heard you swear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, well, I am very good at it. So maybe it's just that I'm so good at it that um, it's really hard oh. for you to tell which is swearing and which is normal talking. Yeah, yeah, or maybe it's just the Australian accent. They just hear it. Yeah, true. Like, we do take a lot of the vowels out, so, you know. <laughs> anyway, so that was the cross. And, I mean, the, the, the streaming was amazing. Mm. I, I, bet, I mean, the Global Cycling Network, is that the UCI? Um, I, 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 I believe it is, but I, I couldn't swear to it in a court of law. But they've got, they've, you know, and, and in amid all the religious sh- reasons, but. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In amidst all the incredible shit things that we hear, you know, the UCI, the, the corruption, the, 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 ah, I have no words, just the, blah, the, blah, the Pat McQuaidness of it all. What they've been, yeah, the Pat McQuaid, the, the six, dropping six million pounds on a, uh, six million francs on a, on a, on a UCI commission you then disband. Oh my, ah, to be fair, Sarah, to be fair. That commission was about to find things out. <laughs> it had to be stopped. But you know, I mean, the the phone calls to riders, the yeah. Armstrong complicity, the the the, the, the stopping doping test, uh, and it, you know, in amongst all of that shit, the fact that they, you know, the fact that gives me some hope is seeing what they've done with the streaming, great streaming. They're going to publicise races. It's not as bad as it could be. It's not all shit. Wow. Wow. Who are you and what the fuck have you done with Sarah? <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. This is the first sign of evidence that we've had that uh, Sarah has actually been kidnapped and replaced with a UCI robot. 
Um, I will go and see what I can find out about where she's being held, what they're torturing her with. I assume it's pictures of Pat McQuaid naked. Um, And I will see if we can somehow release her in time for the Spring Classics. Uh, Until then, thank you for joining us. Uh, If you can help in the search or at least in helping to track the control signal for the robot so that maybe we can reverse engineer the the signal and hack Pat McQuaid and turn him to the forces of good rather than evil, um, do get in touch. Otherwise, continue to enjoy your cycling and we will talk to you again next time. On behalf of myself and Robotic Sarah, goodbye. (laughs)